Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. Go ahead and remain standing. We're going to read the word together. We're going to dive into Hebrews chapter 10. As many of you know, we've been on a, uh, a year, well, about a year-long uh, series in the book of Hebrews called Deeper, and uh, this is part 39. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what part we're on. <laughs> Seems that long, doesn't it? Uh, but uh, it's, it's been good. I've, I've, I've enjoyed uh, diving deeper into the book of Hebrews, and I know many of you have also as well. Um, I just want to say, you know what, if you didn't know this, if, you know, if you're rather new to destiny, you know, there's a different vibe here when you, when you come to, to church. And the reason why is we have a different philosophy of ministry here. Our number one goal is to minister to the Lord. Because it's only in ministering to the Lord. In fact, we see the template in the book of Acts. So that we get a window into the early church and they had a service, uh, Acts 13. And we read it and the Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord... The Holy Spirit spoke. And we believe that uh, if we minister to the Lord, uh, number one, that honors the Lord. That's the primary purpose of any church, actually, is to minister to the Lord, number one, right? We're about Him. Amen? Absolutely. Let's not confuse our master with our mission, right? He's, he's the master, right? I know everything. Well, church is about winning souls. Well, that, that's our mission, but it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's never forget that, right? Um, but it's important that we honor the Lord and minister to the Lord first because in that atmosphere, we encounter him. And if you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to have, see change in your life happen, right, you, you can sit and try to white-knuckle it and, and, and do it on your own, and you'll probably not like the results. But listen, if you come to a face-to-face encounter with Jesus Christ, you will be transformed. Amen? You see, because a, a, a good preacher, a good worship band can't transform you. A friendly pastor, and I try to be friendly, but, you know, I, I can't do anything for you, friend, other than what the Lord, my pockets, as Randy Clark says, my pockets are empty, other than what the Lord may put in them from time to time, right, to, to, for, for me to, you know, to impart, but uh, in, in all of us as well. But please understand that it's an encounter with Jesus is, is what will transform us, it what will keep us rolling. It will help us grow strong in him. Amen? So that's kind of, that's what we're about. And it kind of sounds like making disciples, which, ding, ding, ding. That, that's what it's, <laughs> that is our primary mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. By the way, I do want to mention today, we are honored to welcome to our uh, part-time staff, Brittany Van Duesberg. Uh, Brittany is working with our children. She is our Sunday morning kids church director now. And uh, we'll also be doing Wednesday night kids ministry. So uh, she obviously couldn't be in here for obvious reasons because she's with your kids right now. And she's doing a great job with them, I know. And so uh, we give Brittany a hand right now. Yeah. So if uh, you happen to be down in the kids area and uh, you see a very kind looking soul, uh, that's probably Brittany. She's got a, a very sweet uh, demeanor to her. And you can tell she's just a kid magnet. And so, uh, in fact, I've heard her described that way several times by people, that, uh, different references we talk to. Uh, but uh, introduce yourself and welcome her to Destiny, and uh, she'll be in here this Wednesday night. Uh, by the way, this Wednesday night, the last Wednesday night of the month, is our all-family prayer meeting. So we'll be in here, uh, kids from kindergarten on up. We'll, we'll all be praying together and worshiping together this, this Wednesday night. So it's something the Lord directed us to do this past uh, year, I guess, end of last year to uh, uh, get in uh, this family important prayer time, right? So uh, having said that, I want to dive in Hebrews chapter 10. Take a look in the Word of God today. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to the end of the chapter. How many are there? Yep, two of you, three of you. How many have it on paper today? How many have the Bible electronically today? Let me see. Somebody's holding up their iPad at me. I can almost see those words, brother. Just a, like maybe a pair of binoculars short of getting them. All right. Verse 26. Let's start there. For if we deliberately, remember, this has been a verse-by-verse -verse trip through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews has been awesome. For if we deliberately keep on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, 
No further sacrifice for sins is left for us, but only a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume God's enemies. And now notice that uh, depending on your translation, you may be highlighted or italicized, but the, the writer of Hebrews, we've learned, is not shy about quoting from the Old Testament. He does it a lot, all right? So there's another quote. Someone, verse 28, who rejected the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much greater punishment do you think that person deserves who has contempt for the Son of God and profanes the blood of the covenant that made him holy and insults the spirit of grace? For we know the one who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Verse 20 or 32. But remember the former days when you endured a harsh conflict of suffering after you were enlightened. Notice the context here. He's referring them back. When you first got saved, when you first came to the Lord, you went through some hard times, right? You, you went through some persecution, probably uh, in the case right here that he's talking to them directly. At times, you were publicly exposed to abuse and afflictions. And at other times, you came to share with others who were treated in that way. Understand, let me just, just sidebar here. It, it's so important as we read Hebrews because, again, and, and if you, you haven't heard me say this, the theme of Hebrews is staying strong in your faith and not returning to your old life, but continue to serve the Lord. And again, you see, he, he mentions this several times. Obviously, these, some of the folks he's writing to have either been tempted to turn back to religion or, or Judaism or just turn away completely from God, uh, or, or they face some persecution that's caused them to have doubts about, should I push forward through this pain and through this, this you know, suffering that I'm going through? And I want to tell you, in the day and age we live in, it, it, it's a really prime and, and just amazing time to ponder the words of the book of Hebrews because I want to tell you my friends there is a storm coming there is a storm coming and the Bible tells us that he who endures to the end shall be saved the seven letters in the book of Revelation were all explicit he who endures to the end will be saved every letter just about said the same thing he who overcomes, he who conquers. It's a call to continue strong in your faith. Are we getting this today? It's, I mean, it's, it, this, this isn't anything new. This is all through the New Testament. But it, it, it's a call to stay strong in your faith and not to give up. So, verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence because of it. It has great reward. For you need endurance in order to do God's will, and so receive what is promised. What is promised? What, what, is, what is waiting for us? Christians, what's waiting for us in heaven? A reward, crown of life, right? All those would be appropriate answers right there. So what are we going to have to have to get there? What's he saying? Endurance, right? Endurance. Verse 37, for just a longer just a little longer, and he who is coming will arrive and not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will take no pleasure in him. But we, watch this, we're not among those who shrink back and thus perish, but are among those who have faith and preserve their souls. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. God, as we just dive in today, I pray that you will just whoa, make it come alive in me today. Just lift your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, just make your word just explode inside of me today. Come on, we're not here for a religious experience. We're here to encounter the Lord. So, Lord Jesus, come on. We love you, God. We ask that you just make your word explode in our hearts today. God, that we would leave, not thinking, well, that was nice, but God, we leave encountering you today. God, we walk out of here saying, you know what? I've, I've made a connection with the living God. Something has happened inside of me. There's been a faith transaction. I have put my faith in the one who created heaven and earth, and I have moved a little bit in his direction. And just as he promises, if you draw near him, he's going to draw near to you. So, Lord God, that's our prayer. And that's our trust right now in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's dive into this real quick this morning. I tell you what, this passage right here is, is a tough passage for a lot of folks when we read this. Because I remember when I was a kid reading this passage, it had me convinced that I was going to hell. 
right? Anyone ever get that feeling? You're reading this? I'm like, whoa. And then by the time I hit puberty, I thought, I'm a goner. <laughs> I, have no, I have no chance. I have no chance, Lord, right? So maybe you've had similar thoughts or questions about this specific passage. And, and today, I, I want us to look at it because I want to show you what this passage means. And, and, and now make no mistake, this passage is talking about someone who used to be a believer, all right? The context is super clear here. And, and, and what we got to make sure we understand when we're studying the Bible is not to try, yeah, but it says in John, or yeah, but because, you know, you got to understand that the, the guys that wrote the Bible, a lot of them didn't know each other, and they weren't sitting around a table colluding together, but each one got a revelation from the Holy Spirit, and they wrote it down, right? So it's really not a good idea if you're studying the Bible to try to prove something in Hebrews by taking a verse out of Luke. Now, where that's crystal clear, that's good. But see, here's the problem. The Lord revealed specific things to each New Testament writer for a reason. Right? We, now, now, sometimes we, we have what we call uh, systematic theology where we try to make everything fit. And there's a place for that. That's fine. But really, what, we, what, what, the, what the cream of the crop is, is biblical theology. Right? What does the Bible say? And when you come to a part that you're like, wow, that sounds tough. That's, I'm, not, I'm not sure how clear that is. It's okay. We'll just, we'll just accept the mystery in the passage. We don't have to try to explain it. We're just going to take what God said and, and here in Hebrews, and we're going to say, okay, what does that mean for me? We're going to look at the context, right? We're going we're to do all the, the correct exegesis, and we're going to say, what does this mean for me? All right? So this is, what we're, this is where we're diving in this morning right here on, on verse 26. But I do want to remind you, just as a recap from last week, right? This is important. How you start in this thing is how you finish. Did anyone in here get saved from good works? No, you did not. If someone thinks they got saved by doing good works, you're deceived. I love you, but you're deceived, right? Because we can't be saved by good works. You can't do enough good things. How many were saved by being morally excellent? It's like, wow, you were just really, mar right, 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 again, no one, none of us. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. But those of you who've know, who know the Lord and have a relationship with him, how many of you came to know the Lord? You started this thing by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross and, and knowing that he justified us. And it's our faith in him that, that not only saved us, but that's what's going to keep us. How we start is how we finish. So therefore, is being morally excellent going to keep me saved? No. Now, now, now see, that's, that's tough for Arminianists. Sometimes we're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to make that statement. But just think about it. If good works didn't save me, good works aren't going to keep me saved. But what does keep me saved is my faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? We are saved by faith in the work and the person of Jesus Christ. It's our faith in him that keeps us. Are we all straight on that? Okay? So, so please don't hear this, because this is a popular message today uh, uh, floating around our, our country. Is, okay, so therefore, since I have, I have said a prayer, I came forward, I filled out a card, I got church membership, I whatever, whatever. So therefore, I, I, I believe that Jesus existed, whatever, whatever. So therefore, it doesn't matter what I do now or how I live as long as I believe. Please don't hear that. Because, you see, your belief actually informs your actions in life. What you believe, if you really believe in Jesus, that belief is going to inform how you live. You just can't help it. You just can't help it. The Bible says in Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are passed away. Uh, literally, a, a new creature. Uh, the old has gone. The new has come. So your belief in Christ, if you really believe Jesus, if you really believe who he is, your beliefs will inform your worldview. It'll inform your opinions. It'll inform your behavior. It doesn't mean you're always going to be aces and 100% perfect because we're growing towards that. 
that. Amen? We're not now. We will be someday in Him. But I want to tell you, our belief should be shaping us because if we have full faith in Christ and we are all in on Jesus, that's what faith means. It doesn't just believe, believe that He exists because the Bible says even the demons in hell believe and, and it's, it's worthless to them. So uh, we have a belief that is what you'd say salvific, right? That's a funny sounding word. But I believe in the salvation. It's what God has done. And that belief is doing something inside of me. It is remaking me. And it's been going on since I was a little kid, Brother Dylan. That God has just been working on me. And he's just been shaping me. And I'm not the person I want to be yet. But I can tell you this. I ain't who I was five years ago. Pardon the English there. I'm not who I was 20 years ago. Not who I was 30 years ago. Because if we think, well, because if I just believe that I can live how I want, right, that's, that's really kind of an American uh, invention, sort of, you know, what, what, that, that thought process. It's faulty thinking. To truly have encountered Christ is to be made totally new. So if you've been made new by Christ, you don't sit around pondering how bad you can be and still go to heaven, right? We mentioned this last week. So if I'm really in Christ, my thought is, what can I do and still be saved? Where's the line so I can get right on that line? And then, Can I still do this and be a Christian? Okay, if you're asking those questions, you're already in big trouble. And you should question what you have, Right? Because to believe in Jesus is like, man, I gotta forget that. How, can I, how close can I get to him? I got to get closer to the man, right? You know the man, the burning man sitting on the throne? That's the, that's the one I want to get closer to, right? Eyes like fire, feet like furnished brass. So this passage is saying, tracking with me here, right? So I'm, I'm giving you a little, little, little understanding here as far as, you know, what, what this is not saying if I, if I slip up or mess up. Bye-bye, okay? Not what it's saying. The passage is saying, however, that once you have received the knowledge of the truth, so what, what have you received? You've received knowledge. What is that knowledge? Jesus Christ is man's only hope and salvation. Once you have received that, but then you reject it. You can read it right here. Reject what? Reject the knowledge of the truth. And continue without recognizing that Jesus indeed is the only way to be saved. The writer in Hebrews here is saying there is no other way to be saved. There is no other sacrifice for sin available out there. He makes this clear in the last two chapters. Jesus Christ is the greater sacrifice. That's why Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man, come, no man comes to the Father except through me, right? Jesus is the greater sacrifice. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for sin. Jesus is the one, we talked about this last week, who opened the door for us, who opened the way for us. That is Jesus. That's who Jesus is. There is no one like him. There's no one like our God. That name is reflected in one of his Hebrew names, El Elyon, the Lord Most High. A lot of false flaky gods exist, but there's only one God like him. There's only one God Most High. So he's saying, if you reject Jesus and the truth of Jesus, there's no other way. There's no other way to be saved from your sin. There's no other sacrifice. If we reject Christ, there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Now, now here comes Old Testament examples, right? If you're just looking at your passage, you can follow along with me because I'm, that's what I'm just rolling through right now. I'll get to my points in just a second. I just got to give you a little, little introduction here. The Old Testament examples show that rejecting God makes you an enemy of God. We have a misnomer in America today where we think everyone is God's children. No, we're not. John is pretty clear on that. It's to those who believed on his name. To him gave he them the power to become the sons of God. We are only children of God as far as our belief in Jesus Christ goes. If we have rejected Jesus Christ, the Bible is clear. We become enemies of God. Are you seeing this in the scripture? He then says, now, now, now catch this, because he gives us the example of somebody who rejected the law of Moses. 
And in this example, it was not just violating the law, right? It was rejecting the law. There's a difference. Are you following me? So the examples he gives here are of people who not just like messed up and needed, needed a sin offering and like, oh man, I broke the law, I, I, need to be, I need to be forgiven. It was people who rejected the law of Moses. He then says how much greater the punishment will be for someone who has contempt for Jesus and profanes the blood of the covenant that made him holy and insults the spirit of grace. This connects us back to chapter 6 where he said rejecting Christ is like crucifying Jesus afresh again and holding him up to contempt. So, So clearly here, in the context, one of the driving themes of Hebrews is being reinforced here. Don't turn back. Don't give up on your faith in Jesus Christ at all costs. Don't let anything sidetrack you. Don't let anything get you off base. Don't let anything get you knocked off of following and believing Jesus Christ because that is what the world wants you to do. That's what the the battle of the flesh is. So here we are. We're seeing this, and and, and we're seeing that. Here's the warning. Don't quit. Don't turn back. Don't give in to unbelief. Don't go back to your old life. Don't go back to religion. But he said you're going to need at least three. Reactions in remaining faithful to believe in Christ. And here's where we jump in here with, with some points. And I'm going to give you this first one here. And it's really obvious right here. Verse 35, you can see it. Number one, it, right, to remain faithful, it's important not to throw away your confidence in Christ. Right there in verse 35. Maintain your confidence in Christ at all costs. Believers, can I talk to you here for a second? Ready? Whatever it takes. Do not lose your confidence in Jesus Christ. We find scriptures that tell us, in fact, how good it is to test our faith. And the testing of our faith worketh patience. And it refines us. And to things like work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we read those questions and those scriptures and those verses and we ponder and we puzzle. And we think, what could they possibly be meaning? And here's a great one here in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Put yourselves to the test to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. What, this, what an intelligent exercise. Here, okay, here's discipleship lesson here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to examine myself. I'm going to test myself to see how genuine my faith in Jesus Christ is. Now, why would I want to do that? Because tough times can come and will. Will I be the house built on the sand or the house built on the rock? Well, you know, everyone thinks they're the house built on the rock. Sadly, being a pastor for the past 30 years, I've realized that a lot of people weren't built where they thought they were built. Right? This is, we want to speak into each other's lives and help people grow and get strong, right? He says, or do you not recognize regarding yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? Interesting verse. I want to tell you this. Nothing gives you more confidence than knowing that you meet the test. Anyone ever had a test in school or a driving test or uh, something that you just dreaded and, and you were just, oh, right? And, and then when you pass the test, it's like sweet relief. It's like, thank God. You know, you studied, you worked, you read, and you, oh, and it may have been for a class that you didn't really like. It's like, oh, man, this class is so terrible and I've got to pass it. Ah! So you, you work, and then you pass the test. You, you meet the expectations, and it's like, oh, it gives you confidence. And then you think, wow, that, that, that's really cool that I was able to, you know, get through that and this is what Paul is saying and the writer of Hebrews is saying we have got to maintain our confidence in Jesus Christ and we do that by passing the test by meeting the test the test of our faith the test of our faith now in the book of first John tests of faith abound right I want to give you something here because uh, there's a pastor author named Paul Tatchis and uh, I, I he's I think east of Cleveland somewhere 
but he put together a list of 10 things to test the genuineness of your faith based on passages in 1 John. And I want to share this because I find it really useful. I find this really helpful, and I know it's going to be in smaller font, and if you want to screenshot it with your camera or whatever, with your phone, that would be fine. But I think this is a, a fantastic uh, a, a test to take and, and something just to, to, to get in our, in our system here today, okay? Are you ready? Here we go. Here's a test. What am I testing here? I'm testing the genuineness of my faith. Number one, it's a test of conscience. Test of conscience. Is my conscience sensitive to sin? Is my conscience sensitive to sin? And I have scriptures in 1 John for all of this. If you want them later, I can give them to you. If you are in Christ and you sin... That ought to really bother you. You ought to be messed up with that. If it doesn't, you should be concerned, right? It's a test of conscience. Number two, the test of obedience. The test of obedience. How obedient am I to God's word? I've shared this before. A friend of mine was on staff at a church and and uh, a fairly large church, and they did a survey. Uh, they surveyed their people, and, and how much, how important is Jesus and the Word of God in your daily life? Only 25% of the entire church said yes to that. It, uh, Jesus is important, and the Word of God is important, and, and affects my daily living. 25% of a church, a large church, 25%. That should concern somebody, Right? If God's word is not important in my life on a daily basis, I have problems. Number three, test of worldliness. Where do my affections lie? Right? That's, that's pretty cut and dried, isn't it? What do I really love deep down? Number four, a test of anticipation. Here's another one. Deep down, do I long to see Jesus? The Bible tells us that if you are in Christ and you're serving Christ, there's going to be a part of you that longs to see Jesus. You long for his appearing, right? In fact, I just used some biblical phrases in there. You're going to long for his appearing, right? That comes with somebody who really knows Christ. Number five, there's a test of holiness. Am I progressing away from sin and toward holiness, or am I still down in the mud with it? See, is a general arc of my, if I'm in Christ, right, if the God of the universe lives inside of you, that should account for something, yes? So if the God of the universe inside of us and the Holy Spirit is working on us, right, and, and we get that, we understand that we ought to be trending towards holiness. That ought to be the trend of our life, right? Again, it doesn't mean we don't misstep once in a while, but I, it, it does mean that if we compare ourselves from now to last year or two years ago, there ought to be different. That ought to be, yes, definitely a trend. I'm definitely trending towards God in this area. The, the second half, number six, there's a test of love. Do I love other believers and long to be with them? I only got one amen on that one. Come on, brother. No one goes to church to be with other believers. We'll go punch our clock, do our time, feel good about ourselves. Not here. I know that. Number seven, the test of prayer. Do I have a longing to pray? Do I have a longing to pray? And does God answer my prayers? Right? If we are in Christ, there ought to be some history of God answering some kind of prayer for you. Right. Even if like he healed a headache, it's like, well, at least he healed my headache when I, you know, I, you, you can't think of anything, you know, but you, that, these are just these, these are just good questions to ask ourselves. Number eight, the test of the Holy Spirit. Do I experience the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? Again, the Bible was written by Pentecostals to Pentecostals. That was a standard expected experience. Remember Acts 19. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? We didn't know there'd be a Holy Spirit. Why, yes, let us pray for you. <laughs> right? That's the Eric Smith translation of Acts 19, 1 through 6. But that, that's standard experience, right? We should be experiencing, or at least 
seeking that, right? I don't understand. We talk about racing through false finish lines, and the church is really good at that. It's like, well, we've gotten far enough. We've, we've come far. No, no, no. There, there is no finish line on this planet. It's up in heaven. And while we're down here, our goal is to get as close to Jesus as we can, to get as much of Jesus as we can. If there is a possibility that there is more of God, and I am not after that like a hound dog after a stick, then there's something wrong with me. I need to get all of Jesus I can. Number nine, test of persecution. And this is going to look different probably for people in America for the most part. Have I ever suffered because of my testimony for Jesus? Maybe you didn't get the promotion you were going to get. And there's no good reason except, you know what? There's a little bias towards me because I believe in Jesus. I've had people in this church tell me that they were relieved of jobs because of stands they took. I don't want to call them out to embarrass them today, but they, because of a stand they took for Jesus, and a stand, they refused to, to stop talking about Jesus or what Jesus could do for someone's life, and, and they were relieved of position. They were, I want to tell you, now, you know, we think persecution, we think, you know, the other scale, end of the scale, and that's obviously, yeah, persecution, but, but it starts somewhere, does it not? Persecution. Because of my testimony. And number 10, the test of confessing Christ. Do I have Jesus Christ as my own? Do I have Jesus Christ as my own? Now, what's that mean? Is this my mom and dad's faith, right? Is that why I'm bored in church and looking at my phone the whole time while the pastor's preaching because I'm riding someone else's coattails? Or have I grabbed a hold of this thing for myself? Right? Is this my faith? Is this my relationship with Jesus Christ? As we used to say, have you grabbed the horns of the altar for yourself? Right? That's an Old, old Testament term that, that <laughs> when someone was in trouble, they would run into the temple and they would grab the horns of the altar and it was saying, I need mercy. I need saved. I need protection. Right? And so that's what I'm saying. Have you yourself grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar? That's how we know, my friends. And, and, and that is how we can live with confidence in Jesus Christ. That's how, we, that's how we can not let go of our confidence. Is to make sure, like Paul said, that we are tested and we know we're in the faith. Number two, I want to move quick. Endurance is necessary to do God's will and receive what is promised. That's in verse 36, where he, he straight up says, you have need of endurance so we can do what? We can do the will of God. That kind of tells me I'm going to have a hard time doing God's will in my life if I don't have some built-in endurance in the Lord. Have you also heard the verse that says in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary in, in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not do what? Give up or faint, right? So it, that again, this is a theme that is all through Scripture. Remaining faithful is going to require endurance. And when the word endurance has dropped, my mind, I don't know about yours, but my mind goes to something that my body hates but is really good for my body. It's running. Running. Some of you love to run. I used to love to run, but running didn't love me. It didn't love me back, Right? Although it certainly applies to many endeavors in life, endurance does what for you? It keeps you going when you don't always feel like going. It keeps you going when it's not convenient. It keeps you going when everything, even your own body, is telling you, quit, stop. Endurance pushes past that. This is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here, right? We're just going to hear what the Lord told him to write. It's endurance. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there when it was hard to get out of bed in the morning? Have you been there when you felt like, man, I don't know if I can go another day? Or you felt like, man, you know what, sometimes I just feel like I'm going to get in my car and I'm just going to drive and I'm going to keep going and I'm just going to disappear. Maybe you've never had those days. A lot of us have. But what keeps us pushing forward? Because I'm convinced that I tagged on to something real a bunch of years ago. I locked into a rock that is higher than I. 
and I'm going to push through whatever pain. I'm going to push through whatever inconvenience, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make it because I want to tell you God is going to reward us if we endure to the end. That's what he says in Revelations. That's what he says here. There's a reward for those. Read it. Verse 36, a reward for those who endure will do the will of God. I was reading an article this week. This, this caught my eye, and this was cool because I, I hadn't heard about this before. But there's this race in Greece called the Spartathlon. 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 Right. And it's something called an ultramarathon. Anyone ever heard of an ultramarathon? Yeah, I figured Shana would know that. Dylan? Okay, an ultramarathon. A regular marathon is what, 23.9? 26. something. Right, okay. An ultramarathon is a race that is 152.86 miles. Do they run that at once? Yes. <laughs> that was my thought. Is this like broken up over days and I stay in a hotel for a couple hours and then I get up the next morning? Okay. No. It is straight. In fact, the record time so far in this race has been 20 hours and 25 minutes. Could you imagine running 152 plus miles in 20 hours? That may sound like a long time, but that sounds insanely fast to me. I'm thinking like I'd be like maybe in the weeks. <laughs> he came in, he 20 hours? No, like 20 weeks he came in. There, there he was. But people that get into races like this are called endurance athletes. In fact, endurance athletes, any sport that you can think of that is like uh, takes a lot out of you, <laughs> Uh, like a marathon, uh, that term is used, uh, endurance athlete. They have to build their endurance to be able to be in the sport. And in this article, I, I forget what newspaper is, BBC or something I, I was reading, but they said this man named D Car Dean Carnazos was running, and while he was running in this 152 or 56-mile marathon, he was bumped by a car, came by and clipped him, knocked him down. And so he had a bruised hip. I guess he checked out, nothing broken, but he wanted to finish the race, so he got up and he continued to run. And he said, man, he said, it's painful to have to run this slowly. But he said, this is what I wrote this quote down. He said, I'm still moving forward. It's not pretty, and it's not fast, but it's movement. Then he told the reporter this. He said, kick me in the butt and tell me to keep going right now. In this article, they said one of the things that they say you need in order to compete in a race like this is you have to be tough mentally. I think that almost went without saying. But this is what they say. If you run a race like this, you'll feel strong one moment, like you can go forever, and then suddenly it's like you, what they call, hit the wall, and you feel like you can't make it to the next corner. But this is what the guy said. If you will push through that wall, you will emerge on the other side, and you will feel strong again. Wow, that's it in the Christian life, isn't it? We hit those tough times, those battles, those trials. We want to everything. Say, oh, stop! Let's just go. Let's take a break. Let's. Uh, no. No. I read that and I thought, yeah, don't lose your confidence in Christ. Maintain your endurance to do the will of God. You see, the way we build endurance in in, in faithfulness to Jesus is by practicing faithfulness. I've had a lot of people say over there, Pastor, I need to be more faithful. Okay, here, let me give you your, your, your bullet points. Ready? Start being faithful. Well, yeah, you, you, if you want, right? I, I want to be a good runner. Okay, we got it. Ready? Run. 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 And run more tomorrow than you did today. <laughs> run a little more. Than, run a little far. Say, I need to be faithful. I need to do. I need to start giving. I need to and start. Just start doing it. That's how you do I need to pray more. I need, okay, here's how. Get ready. Start praying. I need, really need to get in my word. Okay, it's not rocket science. Open your Bible and start reading it, right? Turn off the cell phone. Turn off the TV. Get rid of all the things that are distracting you and say, you know what? I am going to build endurance because I'm going to finish strong in this thing. I'm going to be one of those people that come to the end and I stand before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. That's what we're living for, my friends. And I want to tell you, I will build endurance in the Lord Jesus Christ by doing the things that he sets in front of me to do it's that simple it really is Whew. and notice at the end of verse 35 and 36 there's a reference to reward 
another theme throughout the Bible. I mentioned this a moment ago, but there is reward for those who follow God faithfully to the end. And I know everyone says, oh, I'm not doing it for a reward. <laughs> Why not? The Bible tells us that's part of the deal. It's okay. It doesn't sound less spiritual to say, I'm doing it for a reward. <laughs> of course not. We're doing it for the love of the Lord. But we need to understand, my friends, what the Lord is saying here in his scripture. And what God has promised will only be had by those who endure. Final point, I'm closing. Another action we're going to need, and I'm closing today, to remain faithful in the Lord. The Bible says the just or the righteous must live by faith. If we're going to have great endurance in this thing, we're going to have to live by faith. Live by faith. Live by faith. And the context is here, because I, I want to pull this context correctly. He quotes Habakkuk 2.4. And in Habakkuk, in fact, if you want, I, I, had a, I had the scripture ready to go, but I'm just going to skip it for time's sake right now. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 6, the Lord says these words, the righteous must live by faith. And here's the context. Everyone around the righteous was moving forward by cheating. They were extorting money. They were being dishonest. They were cutting corners. They were acting unjustly on others. They were, they were taking from people. They were, all this ungodliness was going on. And God said, you know, the people that are living that way, they, they will get their reward. They're, they're going to they're gonna have judgment that, that they're going to have to deal with. But this is what the Lord said in Habakkuk, the just will live by faith. And this is what the writer of Hebrews cites. This is what he's quoting. So we have to pay attention to that. When we see Old Testament scripture embedded in New Testament, we need to go back to the Old Testament. Now, what were they saying then? Because that would have been his thought process here in other words in the midst of a world that's cheating living dishonestly living in lies living for their own pleasure living for shortcuts if you work in the secular world you see it daily you see it all the time dishonest things people not telling the truth on reports people cut short cut uh, short cutting corners we see this all the time and here is a, the word to God's people the just will live by faith in other words we're not going to give in to the what the other wor the, the world around us is doing but we are going to trust God when it doesn't make sense I've heard people say, well, everyone else does it that way. I, not you. Not me. Come on. We're in Christ. We do it differently. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even when it hurts. I can't get past the psalm where David said, I'll be honest to my own harm. Oh, man. Brother Raekwon, man, that, that does, that's in my mind all the time. I'm going to be honest to my own. If it hurts me, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to, I'm going to be, because it's, it's about living by faith. It's about honoring the Lord. And here in this little verse in, in 30, verse 38, it gives us a little foreshadowing for the next chapter. Does everyone know what Hebrews chapter 11 is called? The faith chapter, the faith hall of fame, right? There's a whole bunch of people in that chapter who got nothing now hang on it's, it's a dangerous thing to say in America today for the church you mean we're doing this for nothing <laughs> consumers won't like this but let me tell you doing the right thing my friend is its own reward you might not get the promotion because you didn't do the dance that everyone else did. You might have to do with less because you decided to be honest. But can I tell you, it's okay. Because we answer to a higher power and a higher authority. And I will gladly live with less here 
if it enables me to stand before God with a clear conscience and said, Lord, I did everything your way. I did everything you wanted me to do because that's what it means by faith. I trusted in the Lord. Verse 38, Hebrews 10, 38, the just righteous must live by faith. I lived by faith when it made no sense, when there were easy paths, easy shortcuts. No one would have known. No one would have seen. Everyone expected me to do like they did, but I stood up and I was with the three guys in the fire that said, no, king, we won't bow down to your idol. The just will live by faith. If I want to stay faithful to Jesus Christ, I need to understand that doing the right thing is its own reward, and probably no one's going to applaud me. Thank you for being honest on your report, Charlie. That is just really awesome. We just want to applaud you and reward you. They don't do that in restaurants. They give, I've been given back too much change. And, I'll, and no one, no one you know, they, don't, they don't come around the table and sing happy birthday to me because I gave back extra change. Because no one's going to probably celebrate. If they do, great. I'm sure, because I'm telling you, because people come up to me, oh, actually, they did celebrate me. They came around and sang to me, and they, oh, great, that's awesome. But typically, that's not going to be the case. But let me remind you, we're not doing it for them anyway. The world is not going to celebrate your righteousness. In fact, they'll probably hate you for it. Because Jesus said they hated me. They hated me, they will hate you. But the righteous will still live by faith. Faith is who it is we live for. And that is a driver in our lives. There are times we can't see how things are going to work out. There's times we may be in the valley of the shadow of death. But the Bible says, what? I will fear no evil. Why? Because we know that Jesus is with us. Because the just, the righteous, will live by faith. You see, serving Christ doesn't free me from tough times, trials, or tribulations whatsoever. But it enables us to run into the burning house and bring out the victims, right? It enables us to finish the race. It enables us to be a light that shines in the darkness, a light like a city set on the hill. It, it, it enables us to let our light shine before men that they may see what God is doing in us and our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. That's why the just, the righteous, must live by faith. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the power of your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Would you please stand with me this morning? This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit is, is directing me right now. I want to pray for those this morning that have felt discouraged in their faith. Maybe you have, you have felt like giving up. You have felt like stop running. You have felt like taking a break. You felt like, and breaks are way overrated, my friend. I want to tell you, some people think, well, I'll just, you know, and, and, and we're not talking about exercising and taking a rest break, but I'm just talking about living for God. People think, well, I'm just going to apply that same theology to my life in Christ, and next thing you know, uh, things have really gone south. I want to speak encouragement into your life today. I want to speak endurance into your life today. I want to speak the confidence of the Holy Spirit into you. And I want to ask that you just evaluate where you're at with the Lord right now. And if, if for those of you today, you say, Pastor Eric, I feel I have kind of felt like, maybe you're just there. You just feel like, felt like quitting. You felt like giving up. You felt like cashing it in. I just want to speak life into you right now. I want to speak encouragement into you right now. I just want to declare that the Lord is going to turn things around as you surrender yourself fully to Him today. He's going to tur turn discouragement into encouragement right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 
I don't want to embarrass anybody or call anybody out today, but just just right where you're standing. If you say, Pastor, I've been I've been struggling with feeling like quitting, feel like giving up, and, and, and maybe in varying degrees, maybe it's maybe it's been real strong, maybe it's just been fleeting, but I, I've just kind of been discouraged. I've just kind of felt kind of beat down, and I, I just I just need the encouragement of the Lord right now. I just I need this endurance that we've been reading about and studying about today. I just need this, I, I need God to just infuse my heart with confidence right now. Knowing that the just will live by faith. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand high right now. I'm just going to pray for you right where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come down or anything like that. Yeah, lift your hand high. Lift your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Anyone else? Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, go ahead and just keep your hand up and just, just, just give it all to the Lord right now. Just surrender it all to Him. Jesus, I give you my discouragement. I give you my my feelings of, of whatever that have just caused me to slow to a, a crawl. God, at least, at least, God, I, I just want to know that I'm, I'm moving forward in you. I'm not, I'm not going to be at a stall anymore. In the name of Jesus, God, I just speak life and encouragement over every brother and sister right now with their hand raised. I pray, Lord Jesus, that encouragement would flood their soul, would flood their heart and mind right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. And I'd like all of us just to ask the Lord, God, help us to run with endurance. Help us to run strong, Lord. Help us, come on. Some of you may be getting ready to face a wall. Maybe you feel like you hit a wall and you, you're strong. You're like, I'm going to push through this wall, but we're just going to pray right now. God gives you strength right now in the name of Jesus for brothers and sisters, God, that are running and they feel like they've hit a wall. They just feel like they've been pushing and battling and, and God, they've just hit that spot where it's just gotten kind of tough. God, we just declare victory for them in the name of Jesus. God, the only way we lose this race, your word says, is if we stop running in 1 Corinthians 9. Lord, so we just say right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak faith and we declare victory. And God, I pray strength on every single person in here, God, and, and under the sound of my voice right now, that God, that we would continue running strongly for you. God, that we would continue uh, going all in for you in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. For those of you that have felt like you've hit a wall or you've already feel discouraged and like quitting, I, I want to ask you another question. What, what, what do you need from a brother or sister right now? What do you need from a brother or sister to help you? See, I want to offer that. I want to offer that out. You come tell me. What do you need? I, I'm not going to say, you go find somebody if you want later or call some friend, but I, I'm going to ask you, I make myself available. Call me. What can I do? What can we do? What can I do to help you run strong for the Lord? Come on. In the name of Jesus. God, I just pray your strength on brothers and sisters in this room. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.